This episode of the Nordic Surfers Magazine Conversations Podcast is brought to you by Big Wave, the gold nail from Kona Brewing Company. Now, you might wonder what Kona Brewing is doing sponsoring this podcast. The good people at Kona believe that sometimes, when we're out surfing in the ice-cold Baltic, wishing we could just float away to a warmer place where the waves are rolling in 24-7, it's much easier to deal with if we have some liquid aloha waiting for us on shore. Get it in your local beer shop, Kona Big Wave Gold Nail, your one and only surf beer. So, now that we've got that uh, little commercial out of the way for Kona Brewing, our new sponsor, and a big thank you to them for jumping on board. A uh, little introduction to this podcast. It's with uh, Sterling Spencer, the man who needs no introduction to many of you. Uh, he's just released a great film called Join the Dance. It's a lot of fun. It's in in waves that a lot of us in the in Scandinavia can relate to. Um, and this podcast episode dives into that film, the inspiration behind it, but also um, some of the challenges he's faced in his life, career, etc. Dealing with things like depression, dealing with things like anxiety, and uh, you know what his thoughts are on the. Uh, the pro surfing life and and more. It's a great podcast episode recorded on a um, pretty untrustworthy Skype connection, but uh, I think we get there in the end. And if you uh, enjoy the podcast and you haven't seen Join the Dance yet, uh, there's a link to the new film in the show notes, and I recommend you go and check it out. It's a lot of fun. Enjoy. Okay, welcome to the podcast, Mr. Sterling Spencer. Thanks for having me. I'm stoked to have you. It's um, it's a real pleasure. Um, for many of the people out there uh, listening right now, I'm sure that you have all been uh, privileged to view some of the fun clips that Sterling has been dropping over the years. Um, I wouldn't mind starting from this creative side of you, if we could, and ask the question of like, have you always been a creative guy? You know, your, your clips are pretty unique um, and, and humor seems to play a really large part of what you create. Has that always been you? Is it something that you kind of, um, were you creating things, you know, when you were younger before you got into surfing and things like that? I appreciate the words you use. I'm, I'm normally used to weird activities. <laughs> <laughs> Staying creative a lot. Uh, yeah, man, I've always, uh, I've had a, always an issue with like doing normal, I guess you could say mm -hmm. like, um, uh, surfing was always a, uh, creative outlet, you know, um, mm -hmm. what was the question again? Sorry. No, that's all right. It's like, where does were you always a creative guy making with with film and things like that, or is it something that kind of grew out of your surfing career? Yeah, when I first started my surfing career, I was doing contests, like everything you kind of had to do. I like I wanted to be a pro surfer, and as time went on, um, when I started getting involved with film and stuff. I, I I've always had a real hard time to take stuff s seriously. So like being creative and humorous, it was just like a fresh of breath air when I was on tour and stuff. And and so when you were on the tour, you were you grinding it out on the QS as well, like like kind of everyone else who had that dream of a pro surfer. Yeah, like uh, like uh, 
I did the junior pro series in Australia. Uh-huh. I did world champs. I think I got like ninth at world champs. And then my first year on the QS, it was just kind of, I felt like my breaking point. Uh-huh. Like uh, my father was a professional server. Uh-huh. So I felt like I got to the point where it was like not my dream. Mm. I wanted to be a pro surfer, but when I got on the QS, I like really knew I didn't have the drive. Mm. Like, uh, I was just way too, like, I enjoyed that lifestyle, but just not, I, I'm just not that competitive. And mm. so I was just kind of like staying alive through like being talented at surfing rather mm. than like, I, I could I knew I didn't have it. So I just like sort of transitioned. I kinda used it as a stepping stone, you know, to get into filmmaking. And and with that stepping stone, um, were your sponsors on board when you started to make that step? Um, because, you know, I, I can only speak for myself and, and I, I really enjoy when you do clips and, um, you know, I get a lot out of them. It, I laugh as well as I, you know, it's amazing some of the stuff you do but also the waves you're riding. It's, it's really a pleasure to watch. Were your sponsors on board when you were like, hey, this whole competition thing's not really for me, I want to focus in on the film? Or did you have resistance? Yeah, well, um, I was... I was I think I was third on the QS for the first part of the year. Oh wow! And I was supposed to go to I forget, but I was supposed to go somewhere. And I kind of just we were I I was sponsored by Billabong, and we were filming for Still Filthy. Okay. And uh, like I had trips planned with like Andy Irons and Taj. And I just chose those immediately. Mm. I was like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, bro. And I was going to miss like a six star. Yeah. And I remember Graham Stapleberg, who was the uh, the uh, main guy, he was just tripping. Because he's super, He, I think he works or was working for the uh, WSL or ASP then. Mm-hmm. He was just tripping. He's like, Sterling Brew, you cannot do this. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I became really misto. M- and I think, um, yeah, it was just still filthy was really kind of like my exit out. Because okay. we were, uh, um, the director of the movie, me and him became good friends. And I was in, I was living in San Diego and I was just like filming with him and making funny stuff. And he was just like, man, you should start a blog. Like Mm. he's like, you're way too like creative to be on the QS and stuff. So he really, he really took me on the path of that direction. Mm. Um, when I started my blog, I started a blog pinch my salt. Yeah. I back in the early O's and, um, that was, that was really um, when I took a different direction. And and did um, – so the the guy, uh, Graham Stapleton, he was kind of tripping because you were obviously coming third and there's a six-star and it's kind of like completely nuts to not turn up when you're sitting in that position given <laughs> – I mean, that's amazing to do that uh, in from third position. Um, he was, he was tripping. He yeah. Was just, 
Yeah. I couldn't understand it. And <laughs> it, I felt like, yeah, it was just like, I felt like I was like, the closer I was getting, the more I was like, all right, this was just kind of like, I was, I was just doing this kind of, mm. you know, and it was just like, I don't know, it was just too serious for me. Like, um, you have to be a, you have to be a real animal type person. Yeah. To, yeah. I have so much respect for those guys. Cause it's, you have to live, eat, breathe, like contests. Mm. It was just, I was, I had anxiety going to contests. I was just like, okay, here we go. Like, mm. you know, like it just was not, I enjoy the beach, just not like contests. <laughs> but, but to get into third position, it means that you're actually good at them. Like how, in, when you were actually competing, were you 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 were having this anxiety about competing by the sounds of things, but you were still getting results. So, what did that feel like? That must have been a weird sensation to have success but be anxious at the same time. Yeah, I always felt just like I always felt like a uh, when it comes to like being famous pro surfer in that mm. world, I always just felt such in the wrong place like uh-huh. i couldn't like uh, that year they billabong gave me a wild card um or they they gave me a wild card into the trials mm-hmm. to the the j bay contest oh sick and i accidentally won the trials <laughs> like, <laughs> like it the the trials was uh it was one heat in the first thing in the morning and it was huge, and I I hadn't I never served J Bay in my life, mm. and I could barely get out. <laughs> in my first wave, I literally just got tubed the whole way, like complete. <laughs> and they gave me a ten, and it was so big, no one could get a wave. Yeah, <laughs> and I and I got and I won the trials, so I was like sick, like yeah. oh my god, this is insane. And literally, by the time I got in, they're like handing me my jersey. Yeah. And it's like, okay, your first seat is Andy Irons, uh, Danny Wills, and uh, you. And I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm just like tripping. Like, so much fear mm. came through my body. Like, oh my gosh. Like, I'm in like Andy, that was like his prime. Yeah. When him and Kelly like hated each other. Mm and that that was a he um like just Andy lost and he like broke his board and stuff and I was just like I felt like what am I doing here like I'm, I'm just this nerd <laughs> <laughs> but wait did you did you win that heat or did Danny Wills win the heat Danny Wills okay yeah, all Danny, right Danny Wills won and I actually my next heat was against Kelly because oh, he didn't he didn't come he missed the first round for like Pamela Anderson or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't yeah, that know sounds about right. That's a that's just go with that. That's good for the story. I don't know what he was up to in the early years. Um, but uh, so the waves went flat for like two weeks. So mm. every single day, everyone's like, "Oh my gosh, you're against Ke- Kelly Slater," and I was just like, "Oh my gosh!" Like 
I was so nervous and every single person was giving me advice and I was so freaked out mm. by the time I actually did surf against Kelly. It, I paddle out and Kelly paddles straight up to me. Like I'm about to catch the first wave and Kelly's like, are you going left? And just, like, <laughs> just stared into my eyeballs. Wow. <laughs> and he has this beautiful blue eyes and I was like hypnotized <laughs> and I like could barely surf the wave I was like I didn't even know like, like what my name was at that point I was just like <laughs> but that contest really showed like that contest I knew like this wasn't the life for me because mm. Like, I was serving a CT. Like, it was, like, every person's dream. Yeah. And for for me, it was, like, I'm just not a competitor. Like, I love hanging out with you guys and stuff. Like, I'd rather just, like, do surf trips and stuff. But, but, like, so that was, like, that year, um, a lot happened. And I I was was super stoked to get involved with filmmaking. Cause that was like, okay, this is my, this is my place, you know? Yeah. And it's, um, and it's, I guess it's proven to be because it's, um, you're definitely, you seem to be having a lot of fun doing it as well. Um, with your, um, filmmaking, uh, process, I guess it'd be interesting to find out, do you, do you suffer from procrastination or like a creative <laughs> block or anything like that? Like, do you just pump them out or, do you actually struggle against your creativity? Is there any challenges? Um, not really. Um, I've never, like all my movies have been pretty much on my own terms. Hmm. I really enjoy a normal life. Like, uh, I, I really like to not be Sterling Spencer. Like I like just, I don't really like thinking about that world. Yeah. Like I, it's like my, my project is like, Oh, this is like my little outlet. This is like my car in the garage that I tinker with. Mm. So my films are usually just this like creative piece of me of like, it's usually what I'm going through with life. And I kind of put it into film. It feels like that's Mm -hmm. cause like, I feel like all my movies are all just a piece of me of, kind of what I was into and going through at that, that time. Okay. Okay. And so let's then jump towards the the latest one, which is coming up. Um, what's the name of this new film that you're working on? And what's the, we had a little discussion before we started, but what's it all about? Um, I called the movie Join the Dance after um, this quote that I loved. Um, about life is life is change. So to make sense out of change, you have to jump in and join the dance. Mm-hmm. And that was that was a real. I at the t- time I was going. What the movie's about is pretty much my um, journey towards uh, my mental health, like getting mm-hmm. my mental health back because I struggled with. I feel I felt like I struggled with depression my whole life. Sure. Um, I life 
never made sense to me my whole like mm. like as long as I can remember I just felt like I always had questions you know like uh I would always bug my parents because they were just like just stop asking questions <laughs> <laughs> questions we don't know what are some of these types of questions that you might have been asking as you were growing up well I was I was uh, raised in a very um strong Christian uh home mm-hmm so I had just, I had so many questions about God, mm. you know, um, I think that was my main deal because we were going to church so much and I just had so many questions, so many things didn't make sense to me, you know? Mm. So I'm just like, mm. I would just, um, I was like, I, I just want to talk to this God, you know, <laughs> like, like, why are we like kind of talking to him? Like, why isn't it just like straight up? Like, let's do this. <laughs> yeah. Like, I just never understood that. I'm like, wait, I need to wait till I die to talk to God? Like, (laughs) I don't like this. Like, I'm like 10 years old asking these questions. I'm like, this doesn't make sense to me, y'all. Like, like, let's, uh... (laughs) So you were poking holes uh, for the the congregation to look through the (laughs) 10-year-old. And you probably didn't get the answers you wanted. Well, yeah, it's like... uh, I could feel, you know, I've always felt something, but just the path they were showing me, I wasn't, it wasn't enough for me, you know? Mm. And I, um, you know, just going through life kind of, I wanted more connection. Mm. Like I wanted real connection, not like wait till you die to, to understand. I don't mm. know. And it, I felt like it was one of the major um, depression feelings. You know, I think that just I wanted real connection yeah. to life, and I felt like I could never get there. Mm. Like I, um, I, I felt like I've been in a haze my whole life. Mm. So, join the dance. Yep. Uh, the film. Um, it. I came to a place in my life where I'm either going to kill myself or like I'm going to meet God, you know, like I came to that place in my life. Like I can't, um, keep pretending anymore Yeah. or I say God or universe or like I wanted to know connection because I felt something deeper in myself calling for this connection, but I wasn't finding it so join the dance um i through depression you know i took pills um i did everything under the sun it felt like and um you know like everything just was like a band-aid or or like um just try to make you forget about, you know, this deepness in myself calling for connection, you know. So mm. really, I just got away from society. I was like, um, I was like, I'm going to learn meditation. And like, if I if I'm either going to like die or it was like I've searched everywhere in this life for happiness except for inside my own brain. Mm. 
And it was like, and I got to this point where I was walking my, when I was heavily depressed, um, I got to this point where I was walking my dog, which my dog loves me. Mm. And my dog seemed so happy. And then I was like, why is she so happy? <laughs> and then I was like looking at the ocean and all the birds. And like, I, I fi- it finally hit me. I was like, everything is in perfect harmony except for my brain. Mm. And like, so why don't I search into there? Mm. <laughs> and that was the real like aha moment. Right. It was like, wait, wait a second. You know, like there's like I have never dipped into my brain. Mm. And that's when I um I've started meditating. And it was like it was like the most profound experience of my life. The first time I felt peace and connection. And it was like, whoa. Like that that was it that's what I've been searching. That's what's been calling me. And it was like in myself. Mm. So like when that happened, I just like, I just left. I'm like, um, I just like went to the woods. It felt like, you know, so, so like, uh, the longer I would stay in like quietness and nature, I just felt like all the answers I had was looking for were dissolving. Mm. It's just peace. I was looking for peace. And I realized like, as I'm in nature, it just happens. I didn't have to do anything, you know, like I didn't have to go and find happiness. I didn't have to, I didn't have to like be a famous whatever for, my dad to love me or, you know, like Mm. in society, it's like, we think we have to do all this stuff for other people to be accepted or, you know, it was just, uh, I just realized it was all good. (laughs) Yeah. It's funny you say that your dog really helped trigger that moment for you because my wife and I often talk a lot. We've got a dog and, um, you know, dogs are basically present in the moment every day moment you know like they don't think back or forward very much as far as i understand so they're they're pretty much meditating you know like it's um so they're pretty content um so it's really funny to hear that that um how was that feeling when you that that you know we often say we have aha moments but like what did that actually feel like um to look at your dog and notice that that did you have a, a real profound clarity about what you needed to do? Well, when I, um, when I came out of that meditative state, I can't really explain it into words. Like yeah. people would just think it's crazy, but I, I literally just started crying for hours. Yeah. And, um, I, it was just like, I felt connected for the first time in my life. Mm. And I was like looking, I was like looking around, I'm like picking up trash. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, how could I, I just felt like so connected, like earth was my home yeah. and so much more than my home, you know, it's taking care of me, you know, yeah. like I just started looking at everything differently, you know, like I was looking at the trees and I'm just like, you know, like 
I take in the oxygen and then I give off, you know, the carbon yeah. dioxide. You know, it's just like and I the just the tree started. sucks it in and puts it back out for you, and everybody's cool. But yeah, mm. I mean, I wasn't physically seeing this, but yeah. it was just realization. You know, yeah. like wow, I'm alive. Like that's insane. Like mm. it was blowing my mind. I was alive. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like my whole life, I was just going from like thing to thing to thing to thing like okay if i do this you know like if i win this contest um or if i drink this drink or take this drug or you know it was like it was always what's next what's next what's yeah. next and i was at this place of like there's no next like i'm just am mm. <laughs> it was just it was but it didn't stay. No. Nah. That, so that's when the journey started, you know? It was like, okay, I, and that's what kind of this, I basically was using surfing and nature to find this place of peace within myself. Mm. With um, with surfing and nature, I mean, you, you mentioned in that moment, the aha moment, you had you had this meditative moment where you were lit, you were feeling connected, this profound connection to everything around you, and feeling like you belonged there. Um, when you you've you've pursued this meditation though, since that moment, um, by the sounds of things, and and what what type of did you go to a uh, like a teacher to to learn this in a in a way, or like where did you go next with the actual meditation? It's all been. Uh, the internet, okay, um, which is, which is insane. Well, that's an irony. Because I felt like internet drove me crazy. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I think it drives most people crazy. <laughs> like literally, social media was the biggest problem in my depression. Yeah, I would go on Instagram, and by the time I was done, I was like, "Well, I'm not in Tavarua." <laughs> <laughs> I found that out. <laughs> found out I'm not there. Right. You know, it was just like, look how much everyone else is killing it but yourself. Yeah. And I was killing it. <laughs> yeah. Like, and like for, you know, like from where I came from, like where I was at that moment, I was living in San Diego with Rob Machado. I like had all the sponsorships. Yeah. I, I had like a huge billboard of myself in that's, San Diego. That's fun. Not everybody's had that. That's cool. <laughs> and I felt I never felt more miserable in my whole life. <laughs> yeah. And it it made it worse. Mm. It was like like I said, the closer the more I got fame, the closer I got to this golden egg that I um was placed in front of me yeah. from conditioning. I felt it got worse. Like Surfer Magazine just did a full like 10 page article on me. And I was just, and like, I remember Rob would look at me and he's like, what's, what's wrong, man. Mm. <laughs> and I, I, I was drinking heavily mm -hmm. and I never really drank in my whole life. And, uh, I just felt so stuck. Like I was scared. Mm. Um, I felt so lost. Um, I, yeah, like, and it, it, it made it even worse because it was like, you know, I was doing it. I was being the famous pro surfer I so desired. Mm. 
And, but, you know, I didn't want to live. So mm. it was just bizarre. Uh, it was super bizarre. It was just, uh, so I, I moved, it got so bad. I was like, I have to move home and like figure this shit out. Mm. And at the same time, yeah, like, uh, so I moved home basically just to figure it out. And, and I met my wife and we fell in love, like in insane love. Like we had so much premarital sex. And we were, <laughs> <laughs> like we were on this roller coaster of love. Like it was. That's insane. great. That's we were, great. We were having so much premarital sex <laughs> and it was just like, Yay! Like, <laughs> it was insane, and then she got pregnant, and we were like, oh, "Whoa!" Well. <laughs> but we were super stoked. We we're like, "We're gonna have a son." We yeah. love each other, and it was great. Cool. And, but at, at the same time, this depression was still creeping in on me. Sure. And I was like, "Oh no!" Mm. You know, like I thought, you know, like my wife and now I have a son and it was so when I had my son and it, it started creeping back in heavily mm. and I was like, Oh no. And that's when I was like, um, I, I wasn't in control of myself and I was hurting my wife. I was, I was going to hurt my son mm. if I stayed in place. You know, I was angry. I didn't know how to control my moods. Mm. Um, I was completely, I was not in control of myself. Mm. And so that's what really drove me to do this. My son and my wife, you know, like uh, my son was like, the. Uh, it was like, okay, I have, you know, you, you know, I have to do this. Mm. And uh, that's when I got to the meditation point. Like it was like, okay, I've tried everything but this, mm. you know, um, had you heard about that as an option in your kind of like when obviously there must have been a time um, or, or did you seek any medical advice like when you were feeling the initial depression when you're in San Diego or did you kind of brush it off and try to deal with it yourself? Well, I've been on such a long journey with it. Like when mm. I was 18, I went to like therapists and, you know, I was on I was on medication and uh uh, that medication really made it worse. It felt like that's all I've ever heard from people who have who've tried that. Um, the, the medication, I mean, yeah. It was like, okay, now I'm depressed, but I don't feel anything. Yeah. Hey, it was just like I felt it was horrible. Yeah. So, um, you know, like I went in and out of addiction with Xanaxes. Um, I went in and out of like, I started drinking to get off the pills. Right. <laughs> so really like, I like wish I went back. I would have been better if I never went and sought, sought medical advice. Mm. I was so much better then. And it just, it, all of a sudden it became so much harder and then I started drinking. I I never was an alcoholic. 
Mm. I was never like, oh, Sterling's has his pants off and he's <laughs> like people never even knew I drank. Mm. Like I was so cavalier about it. Mm. And, uh, but it was like I need five beers to stay normal. Yeah. That's what it felt like. I think a lot of people have that. I think a lot of people do the same thing, though. Like you know, they and they don't realize they're doing it. But, but um, you know, alcohol's good like that. You know, it definitely helps take the edge off sometimes and forget about yeah. a few things. So I was just like, all right, I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> yeah, tick that box. I, I can still surf good and yeah. Um, but I felt like everyone's an alcoholic. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So I was like. I wasn't different. I, mm. I felt finally normal. Part of the gang. <laughs> did did anyone bring up the meditation option in, in that early stage of the journey or was it just this kind of wacky thing that was just never. kind of never came up, right? Never once. It was wow. crazy. Like not one time did any type of Eastern philosophy like pop up uh, like yoga, but yoga was, it was more physical yeah. I, no one. I never. Um, I never connected the the uh, deeper connection to yoga to yourself, or maybe I wasn't listening, or mm. maybe it's blind to it. You know, um, uh, I grew up in such a conditioned way. I felt like it was it was hard for me. Maybe someone did say something, but I I, I couldn't even see it. I felt like I was so conditioned to be a certain way. You mentioned that religion was a big part of your your youth and growing up. I mean, do you feel like there was a like an incompatibility culturally to to grasp these Eastern the the kind of Eastern wisdom where meditation seems to be mostly um, derived from? Like, was it? I don't want to bag out Christianity, but you know, there's not a lot of talk about you know connecting with your mind in that religion, as far as I've read into it. Yeah, like um, I mean. I don't, I don't feel like all Christians are this way. You know, I feel like, um, the South, it's a little bit more extreme. Mm. Um, but yeah, when I was, when I was, uh, 16, I went to Bali. Oh yeah. And, uh, before I was going, the church I was going to, they were like, all right, Sterling, you're about to go battle the devil. <laughs> <laughs> like bali people are hindu and like they have false gods and yada 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 and i was like i was like all right i'm like gonna go in there and like show these people i don't know whatever i was thinking when i was 16 and i get there and the people in bali were so nice mm. was, like the most amazing people i've ever been around mm. and I was, it really opened the door to my brain i was like oh uh, i was like uh-oh like <laughs> yeah there's a big world out here, you know, like yeah. people of other religions, um, aren't, you know, bad, you know, mm. like, it's like, so that, that, that caused more questions, you know, I was going to um, say it must've actually, yeah, created, added to the <laughs> list of questions you had to bring home with you after your trip. Yeah. I, I for sure probably, um, I for sure was probably a, a bit annoying to my family. <laughs> yeah. But um, with with this kind of home, because I wanted to touch on, um, I don't want to leave off the discussion there because I want to come back to the, to the video and let people know more about that or the film that's coming out. But with your upbringing, so where is home? Um, are you back home now? Is that where you, when you, you said you went home after San Diego? 
are you back home now and where is home? Yeah. Um, yeah, I moved home and home is Pensacola, Florida. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's in the middle of the Gulf Coast of Mexico. Yeah. And I'm about 20 minutes away from Alabama and 20 minutes away from Georgia. Mm-hmm. So it's a really unique place. Um, it's a really beautiful place. Um, it, it's really cold right now. <laughs> How cold's cold? Because you're, you're, you're now saying this to an audience who are in the Nordics. <laughs> And they're like, ah, hey, hey, hey. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yesterday it was 27 outside, uh, degrees. So what? 27 degrees or Fahrenheit? Yeah. yeah, Fahrenheit. Okay, there you go. Okay, well, that's cold. That's cold. You, well, you get a cold pass there. Oh, really? Okay, cool. Yeah, it's cold. It's Isn't that like zero it's, in degrees yeah. or below zero? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's cold. I mean, it's cold for Florida, you know? Yeah, totally, totally. And so um, growing up in that Gulf region, um, wedged, well, kind of around, you know, you got Alabama to one side, you got Georgia to the other. Um, what is the surf scene like in that part of the world? How would you characterize it? Um, it's real quirky. Um, you know, we're basically lake surfers but like a way bigger lake. <laughs> yeah, sure. The Gulf, I mean, the Gulf is like just kind of a big swimming pool. Mm. So our surf conditions are real based off storms mm. and storms that actually hit you, not mm. go by and give you groundswell. <laughs> yeah, sure. So like winter is real exciting for me. Um, like as the, uh, as the cold fronts are going down, uh, the U.S., mm. we get these lows that suck um, tons of wind uh, up into Pensacola. Uh-huh. So, like, it'll be like 40 miles an hour winds. Right. It's like, all right, it's on, we're serving. You know, so like, onshore winds, though, you're saying, like hard onshores. Heavy onshore winds for about three to four days. Yeah, right. And then... And then um, when the front hits, it goes offshore uh-huh. and we have about a day of offshore, clean, beautiful surf. Right. But it, it goes flat super quick. Yeah. Cause the waves, they're only with the storms, you know? Yeah. 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 So you have to be super on it. Like, uh, I mean, yesterday I was up at first thing in the morning, uh, before light. You know, like sometimes it'll be offshore and the surf will stay up for two hours and it'll go flat. Mm. Like it's, it's, it's super fast. So you have to, you have to be super on it around here. It sounds like you'd be fine in, uh, in Scandinavia. It's, uh, you're well groomed for, um, dealing with the conditions in Sweden oh, too. Yeah, like I would love it. I, 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 I love weather. Like I'm addicted to weather. I love feeling the energy. Um, yeah, I love, I love feeling it all, you know. How, um, with the quirky surf scene, it actually sounds like you'd fit in with the word quirky being attached to it, but, um, the, 
the how big are the kind of crew that um you know is there like the Pensacola crew and they got their breaks and then you've got you know your Alabama guys and they're just like yeah we're we're Alabama guys or whatever like is there localism in this part of the world? It's it's nothing compared to anywhere else. I mean that's what I love around here. Mm-hmm. Like no one's taking themselves that seriously, you mm-hmm. know. <laughs> like uh but you'll run into the one guy who's you know i've been surfing here since <laughs> 73 yeah but i mean for the most part everyone is super down to earth i feel like and um I, that's why i love living here kind of i love i love com- being here and being a nobody mm. <laughs> And uh, have you achieved that? It sounds like is that how life has turned out from the pro surfer guy on the billboard to now just the local surfer guy who is is maybe a nobody to some people? Definitely. Um, I always felt that's what kept me grounded uh, during my professional surfing career. I would come home and just kind of chill out and forget yeah. about everything. And then go back out. But when like Instagram came, it was like, oh, I got to I got to be famous all the time. Mm. And I was I moved to California and it was just. I uh, I felt like I lost that connection of like. The real me. Mm. And so the real you's here now, what what are you what are you doing? Like, I mean, I think I want to hazard a guess that you're. Are you associated with a surf shop in in Pensacola? Is that kind of one of the like? Do you have like a day job now? And are you, you know, you're no longer on the payroll of any of the big brands and stuff like that? Like how how is your career, um, for lack of a better word? Um. Yeah, I mean, I inv- I invested my money good, and real estate. Uh, my dad owned a surf shop uh he's we have one of the longest running surf shops in america since 1969 interlight surf shops yeah wow so uh that that was the main that's like my main connection into surfing so everything i learned as a pro surfer especially filmmaking um i guess you could say per se like my day job is to promoting the surf shop, you know, yeah. in this town. Uh, just surf shop is hilarious. Surf shops are the, like the coolest thing ever. Cause I feel like it's still the true side of surfing. Mm. Like, like literally my job is like, all right, we need to be surfing, you know, <laughs> like, cause that's what drives people, you know, to get surfboards and, it's it's the coolest thing ever i feel like it's like it's true to the sport Mm. you know like no one's trying to be too fancy i feel like like it's just about surfing yeah that's what i that's what i i feel blessed to be born into you know like like uh, my dad who passed away seven years ago now um he really um, gave me the love to surfing, which mm. uh, kept me sane 
<laughs> yeah, sure. Sure. And and are you so you're involved on the day to day in the surf shops? Are you kind of cruising in there and working and stuff like that? And and is that kind of your your average day? Or or I guess the question should be, what is an average day for Sterling Spencer? Uh, I I don't go in. I'm not. I don't work in the shop. Mm. Uh, I guess um, I would say my main job is kind of a. Uh, what's the word I'm a promoter for mm-hmm. the store. Cool. Like pretty much like, uh, I basically nothing has changed other than like, I, I'm like still like a pro surfer in my own little world. <laughs> yeah. That's rad. That's rad. And it, it's, it's, it's amazing. Like, uh, cause I, I love my community and I love people and it's just like, pretty much my job is to be surfing and like bring a positive vibe, you know, mm. like be a good ambassador. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it's been a super blessing. Um, cause it's real get It's so easy to get lost in your ego. Um, what, whatever you're into, you know, like mm. what being famous or an athlete, like it's so hard. It's so hard because you use your ego to be highly advanced in your sport. Mm. But it's hard to leave that ego into your everyday life. Mm. And that's 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 been um, a huge learning lesson this past couple of years. You know, like uh, it it was hard to walk away from all my sponsorships. Um, when I fully lost my mind, mm. like that was, that was one of the hardest things I ever had to do. Um, so you walked away. Yeah. Well, I mean, they dropped me cause I was like, I, I, I have to step away for a while. Yeah. And they're like, I see ya. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> and that, um, I was bitter. I was pretty bitter. I can imagine. Um, do you feel like they should have, like, I mean, on that question, I think we, we do see this a bit in the surfing world. Like, do brands take enough responsibility for the athletes who they work with? Or, you know, is that relationship a, a kind of inherently toxic one in many cases? Well, I, I, I've i never written for every sponsor. So I would say mm. it, it might be different. I, um, I see some brands and it looks more of like a family relationship and yeah, I, I don't know the, how they would have handled it. Um, I think the the problem was I just changed sponsors because uh-huh. I was sponsored. I was sponsored by Billabong for, I was sponsored by Billabong for 20, 20 plus years. Yeah. Yeah. Like at the time I was one of the, I, I think only Aki beat me. <laughs> I think he beats everyone, long. right? <laughs> He's been there. Wasn't he born sponsored by Billabong? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I, I I left I left Billabong um, for Rusty, and it was it was it was for sure a mistake. Um, not not that there's anything wrong with Rusty, just. I, I just signed on to them and I kind of was like, all right, I'm going to be more famous, you mm. know, like, uh, 
because being with Billabong, I was such a small fish, you know? Sure, sure. I, I always wanted to be the guy. Yeah. You know? So it was like, okay, Rusty was presenting me this. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to go be the guy. Mm. I've always been like silly Sterling. <laughs> sure. And Billabong, at the time, it seemed like they were going under. Yeah, like, sure. I didn't know anyone in the office anymore. Um, it was a super weird time. Mm. Um, and when I went to Rusty, um, it seemed like good people, but I, I just didn't know my mental health was going to drop like that. Mm. It, was, it was something I could, I could have never predicted. And when it happened, I was like, like, I don't know how to explain this to you guys, but I can't. I can't get on a plane. It's hard for me to leave my house. Mm. Um, it was, and they were just like, uh, like this guy who like, I had no relationship with them, you know? So they yeah. don't know if I'm lying. You know, it's like, there um, wasn't enough time for them to care and get to know you and stuff like that. Yeah. And, but I would say you're right in the sense I no, there's no way people, uh, respect mental health. Like if I would have broke my leg, mm. no one said anything. Sure. But when I'm like, Hey, I need to like go soul searching or something. Cause I couldn't go to any more doctors. Mm. Um, it was like, like, how do you explain this? how can I explain this to a sponsor where they'd be like, okay, we'll wait for you for a year or two. Mm. We'll, keep, we'll keep paying you. It was just like, I just kind of had to, um, I just had to do it. You know, <laughs> like, yeah, uh, yeah. it was just, and it, I was super, I was just at the time I was hurt, hurt um, uh, that they didn't wait, you know, mm. I was like, I went through so many different emotions. Um, my ego was hurt tremendously. Mm. Uh, I felt relief in some way. Um, it was like a hodgepodge of uh, tons of feelings. Um, mm. And I was embarrassed. Um, I ha- my uh, I had to go to the grocery store with my dog because I couldn't be alone. Like it was incredibly humbling. Mm. Um, it was. It was, uh, yeah, it was just like pretty much every single thing was taken away from me. Mm. Uh, as far as, as far as, um, what I thought I needed, like mm. ego wise, like, uh, yeah, like being a pro server was a, a part of me, mm. like being, you know, I, I was very striving to be cool. Hmm. <laughs> I'm sure it's the same uh, thinking that many of the guys uh, who are kind of up and coming and ascendant uh, with their different sponsors and whatnot, I'm sure they're thinking many of the same things and most likely challenged by many of the same challenges. Do you find with your um, your openness about uh, the mental health challenges that you've had, um, do you find other surfers connecting with you to to kind of you know, share any of their challenges or, or is it not really quite there yet? Um, I think I haven't talked to anyone where they're like, Hey, I understand you Sterling Mm. personally, but I feel like athletes in general are starting to come out 
Mm. And being like, I, I hear depression way more now, you know, people are being vocal about it. Like, uh, I saw a big like advertisement with some NBA players and they're open about their depression. And it was like super awesome for me. I was like, mm. all right, <laughs> I'm not the only one here. Like right on. Like, yeah. And I feel like, I feel like it's an epidemic, um, that's can't be talked about. Mm. Like so many kids have anxiety, mm. Like it's insane. Yeah. Like, like that for me, I had such crazy anxiety. I thought I was the only one. Mm. So I thought it was crazy half my life. Um, and then I, when I started finding out like, Oh wait, everyone has this. <laughs> yeah, sure. Everyone is medicating. Every, mm. It was like more questions. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the que- Have the questions slowed down? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm at a place now where I have a lot of peace. Mm. Um, I, I, I'm incredibly happy. Um, I'm just, I'm so thankful to go through this because, um, I'm just so happy to be alive. Like I don't need anything anymore. Like mm. I'm just so grateful to just wake up and be happy like uh i i don't care if i got anything you know like Mm. to wake up with that feeling just i'm so content to be with my family and uh to have food it's just like it was what i was searching for my whole life Mm. Um, it's I'm just so happy. Like, I'm so happy to be able to just be telling you I feel this happy. Mm. <laughs> like, uh, it's been a super long journey. Mm. Is, it, um, is it a journey? Um, ha- how has it affected your engagement in the actual surf then? Like, have you noticed with you being more at peace, has it affected the way you that's actually even? A, yeah, that's what the movie's about? <laughs> Yeah, the movie is about surfing isn't surfing anymore. Surfing mm-hmm. is a surfing is like this magical thing I get to do every day. Like it's it's it used to be surfing used to be like okay, I need to film mm-hmm. and I need to do like a sweet air and yeah. then like land and then stand like I didn't care about it. <laughs> like yeah, like it was. <laughs> The stand was, like you didn't care about it's a really important part, right? That's probably the most important part of that air, just not caring like, you did it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like pretend you didn't enjoy that. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was like, like my mind was so – surfing was just another um, piece of my ego mm. of how can I worship myself or whatever whatever you want to call the ego, you know, mm. that's the – word i know how to use it but uh yeah it was just surfing was uh how can i climb this ladder of whatever Mm. you know if i land whatever trick people will think of me this way you know Mm -hmm. or if i do this someone's gonna think that and if they think i'm cool that person's gonna think i'm cool and you know it was just like 
I was everywhere but on the wave. Mm. And so when I went on this journey um, into the wilderness, to be standing on a wave for the first time, and I've been surfing my whole life, but I'm feeling like I've never surfed in my life. <laughs> wow. It, it was it was and still is incredible. Like every time I paddle out now, I'm just, I'm filled with so much gratitude um, to be blessed like this. There's so many humans that aren't surfing and it just, I'm, I feel bad for them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just like being a surfer is truly the most blessed life, I feel like. Okay, well, I think we've definitely um, intrigued the listener as to uh, the fact that they really need to see uh, Join the Dance. Um, it sounds like it's an interesting journey. How long is the, um, is the film and, and when do you expect to um, have it out there? You mentioned you've got a premiere coming up. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm finishing it up, and then I'm planning to do a, a premiere locally yeah. next month, and then just kind of go from there. Um, me putting out a movie has always been the hardest thing because I really enjoy making it, and I don't like <laughs> like I don't like hearing people's opinions <laughs> <laughs> unless they're good and ones, right? Unless they're nice ones. That's just human nature. Yeah, sure. I don't know. It's like we want to judge each other, and this this was just um, my art, you know. And I like to just move on and make more, more art. Yeah, you know, like, uh, and I, it's more me. It's not people. I would hate. It's more just I get stuck in myself. Like, oh, what do they think? You know? Yeah, like, sure. It's more me, um, and it's uh, but yeah, like I. I'm, I'm, I really want this to open. It's the movie isn't going to really tell you anything. It's more so opening the door to talk. Right. I feel like, um, it's more of a metaphor of, um, the, the journey I went on. Um, Mm. and more so I really want people to know you can, uh, heal yourself. Mm. You're so more powerful than, you know, um, um, you don't need anything. You can be, you can master your mind. Mm. No one's ever told you. No one ever told me I wasn't my mind. Mm. First time I understood that, I was like, wait a second. What's this? Mm. You know, what, what am I? And it was like, like then the healing started. Mm. I, it was. I felt like the brain. I was unbrainwashing myself. That's an interesting term, unwashing your brain. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I think um I think everyone. I'm I already enjoy your stuff. I mean, I particularly enjoy the um the look back to shore and just holding the gaze as long as possible whilst you know cutting across still that's one of my favorite moves that you do um and i I hope there's a few of those in the um in the film because i get a lot of enjoyment out of those uh long turnbacks um (laughs) i think um i think that it's been an absolute pleasure um to have you on the podcast and to um to hear about the journey and, and thanks for being so open about it and hopefully if there's anyone listening who struggles 
um, with any of the things that you've mentioned. Hopefully they've gotten something out of this um, this conversation. And and yeah, yeah. I mean, what's your what's your final kind of message to the to the listener if you want to leave something with them? Um, and then I'll um, I'll stop the record and then say some more thank yous to you. So what's your final word? Um. Yes, I hope you can. If you're hearing me or watching my stuff, uh, you can be happy and full of peace. It just, everyone's on their own journey. And there's, you have to figure it out yourself. And I just, I hope you can get something from my world and make it your own. And uh, thank you for calling me and doing this. I appreciate it very much. Yeah, it's miraculous to get a response um, on the DM, to be honest. Like, that was a surprise to me as well. <laughs> so thanks for joining me on the show and I'm now going to hit the stop button. All right, thank you. Well, there you go. That was Sterling Spencer. Huge thank you to you, sir, for, you know, lending a bit of your time for a chat. Um, that podcast episode really went into the mind space, you know, for the last few we've been very much environmentally focused. But um yeah, this one really, really dove deep into the challenges of depression and, um, yeah, huge thank you to Sterling for sharing his story and being so open about it. It's a, you know, it's not, it's no secret that many people suffer and, um, yeah, anyone listening who's got some challenges, you know, you, you should know well that you're not alone and that there are, um, there are ways forward. So, yeah, make sure you seek some medical advice and some help from friends and all that kind of stuff. Um, join the dancers out. It's live. It's a fun film too. So you should totally go and check that out and enjoy, um, Sterling's latest work. Uh, I've certainly enjoyed it a couple of times. So there you go. We have another magazine soon out, the print magazine. It's getting real close. Everybody stay tuned. It's awesome. I haven't seen all of it. Matt's the, Matt's the one that looks after that stuff. He's the, the, the design, the design genius. I just write some words every now and then, but that one's coming out soon. So stay tuned. And yeah, thanks again to our um, sponsor, the new sponsor of the podcast, Kona Brewing for Brewery, sorry, Kona Brewery for uh, looking after the podcast. We're stoked. Great to have them on board. Um, They support surfing quite a lot in uh, Scandinavia. And yeah, super amped. Um, That was a fun podcast. So we'll be going back to some, not you could say regular programming, but there's a few more Fight for the Bite um, podcast interviews to come going a bit deeper on that issue so we can really ram it down your throats about why it's important to not drill for oil in marine environments. We can all agree on that, right? Um, Yeah, but thank you, listener, for tuning into the podcast again. We really appreciate your support and uh, we hope you really enjoyed that one. I certainly did.